Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Today's guest is Nick Cirillo, an entrepreneur, speaker, and author of a book called A Slice of the Pie, How to Build a Big Little Business. I know Nick as a friend and as a mentor and as a teacher. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm doing great. So great to have you on. And uh, I know people are going to be thrilled with your story. Uh, And it all starts with uh, something related to the book, which is pizza. Uh, But kind of tell us how you got into business and and, uh, became an entrepreneur originally. Yeah, thank you. And, and, I'm, and I'm grateful and honored to have this opportunity to share, for sure. Uh, so how I got started in business, I, I would say, um, boy, I, it kind of happened organically for me from, I think the, a big part of it was just growing up in an entrepreneur family. My dad always had his own businesses, so I didn't really know. For one, I didn't even really know the word entrepreneur, but I just knew that uh, you know, we, I was brought up with, you know, asking the question, why are things like this? What, you know, why couldn't they be? And you know, my dad was really good about, uh, asking us side by side at uh, forming that kind of mentality of asking why and seeking out, you know, better opportunities or better ways to do things. So as a result, um, back in the nineties or eighties, actually, when I was a carpenter, I ended up, uh, from being a carpenter, started doing side jobs as a carpenter and that grew into my own construction business. And so it, I was, I started that in my late twenties, uh, with my brother as well, actually, he, we did that together. Hmm. And, and, uh, what businesses, uh, was your dad in? My dad, growing up, my dad had several businesses. <laughs> one, uh, one was the one that I worked a lot side by side with him on. The first one actually was this, um, he had an aluminum siding business all around Chicago back in, back in the late seventies or eighties, early eighties. I think it was late seventies, you know, where that was a really big, I think, what's that movie? The Tin Man, <laughs> right? It yeah. was a really big opportunity back then. Yeah. And from that, he ended up buying a hot dog stand. And uh, so he always had like those two businesses going on where we would, we would work at the hot dog stand and we would, you know, we built that business up, put, a, you know, one edition onto it, then a second edition onto it, then a third edition onto it. And when we weren't working in the hot dog stand, we were working remodeling jobs and others, you know, fixing houses around the city of Chicago. Uh, so those were the, couple of businesses. Then he also had a, a amusement business where he would had um, all the pinball games and all the video games and stuff like that for restaurants for a couple of years. He had that business uh, and then he ended up buying another restaurant. And so it was always something going on <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So he's a true definition of an entrepreneur who was uh, in and out of a bunch of different businesses. Well, how did you move from construction to pizza? Well, when, so one of the restaurants my dad bought later when I was in high school was a pizza place, small little place. Uh, when just, that's when we moved out to the suburbs out of the city. And, uh, that idea, you know, because we started with a little carryout place and then made it 
we put seats in there and added, you know, it was in a strip mall. So we added another store next to ours and put seats in there, put a little bar in there. It was, it was kind of small, but it gave me a real good background and understanding of how to run a restaurant uh, because he would, even though I was in high school, uh, there was many times my, my dad wasn't much of a coach. He was more of a, here, you know, um, see you later, you know, run the place kind of, you know, order, you know, get the orders done, you know, run it. And then if I, if I didn't, you know, if I made mistakes, he would let me know that I made mistakes. <laughs> that was no, that was his style of coaching. <laughs> so, that, so that's how I got started in very, very early before I had my own business. Yeah. And uh, now you've been in the, in the business, the pizza business for years and it's expanded where uh, you're as well known, not only for your, your wonderful restaurants, but for Nick's University. Uh, tell us what Nick's University is about. Yeah, so so that came out of my own restaurants. So back in uh, 95, when I had that construction business, and at that time I had three kids of my own, I ended up seeing an opportunity for restaurants. Now, you know, since I grew up with that background, uh, having three kids and ha- having, you know, looking for a place to take them to eat. Um, I just decided to design and build my own restaurants, which I did the Nick's Pizza and Pub in Crystal Lake in 95. And from the beginning, I always felt it was really important. I mean, once I realized I was going to make it, you know, uh, the business wasn't going to fail. That was the first, the first struggle. Uh, then I wanted to have a kind, the kind of company that people enjoyed coming to work every day. So, from, with that mindset, I've always paid a lot of attention to training people well and a coach and a mentor. And out of that process, my, you know, I believe because I was so committed to, you know, having a good place to work and, and wanting to learn more about that, uh, I really paid a lot of attention to training and, and then developed training programs. And then out of the training programs, people wanted to learn you know, how we were having the kind of success we were having in our restaurants. And, and that's what, you know, people started coming to our training. And I just opened that up to the public. And, and Nick's University, Nick's U, grew out of our own training. And now we opened that up to the public. So, again, it was kind of an organic process, the way much of my life has been, it seems like. So I want to dig into that a little bit more, Nick, because it's great and gracious that you're sharing what you've learned um, publicly, not just within the organization, and probably a little unusual for you know, a guy running a pizza restaurant to do that. So uh, you, you talked a little bit about... Uh, your dad and the, and how he taught or didn't teach you. And in a way he was a good delegator, but he also had a certain style of leadership that you were uh, learned early on. Um, so when was the first time that you realized that you were a leader? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's a really interesting question because I don't know that I ever sought to be a leader. I never, I honestly, I don't think what I, what I always, I mean, bring, being brought up that way with the way my dad always had us questioning. And I noticed when I went to work for other people, I, one of the things I think my dad always taught us is um, you don't have to follow the crowd. You don't have to be the same as everyone else. Find unique ways to look at things. If you want to get anywhere in this world, he always shared, you're going to have to figure out how to do things differently. You're going to have to figure out a way to, to look at things in a different way and uh, figure out your own path, you know? And 
Um, and I think that background helped me. And so as I, as I worked for other people, I always strove to, you know, do things my own way and to improve. And, and as a result, people would be, plus I cared about people. I, I ended up in leadership positions. I never, I never sought to be a leader, but I also, I also always looked to not follow, you know, I always wanted to do things in my own way. And, and I think, uh, yeah, so I don't know that I ever, I still, I, I think I still have a hard time with, I, I know I'm in a leadership role, but it's, I, I don't know. I still feel like my, the 16, 17 year olds in our restaurants are just as much of a leader as I am. Yeah, I think it's something that makes sense. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> humble way to approach it is that uh, we never really uh, look at ourselves that way. Um, it is more about how other people view us. Um, you know, you talk about in those early jobs, um, based on the advice of your dad, that it was okay to question things or okay to do things differently. Can you think of any example maybe of a job you had along the way that might have shaped your development or, or maybe looking at things differently got you in trouble? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, it's probably one of the things that, there, honestly, there's a lot of times working for other people that it did get me in trouble. I, I think some of the best experiences are the ones where I had bad bosses and I did, you know, try to do things differently and it didn't work and I would get in trouble. I, I've, I've always had this, I think the other part of being brought up the way I was, I was never afraid of losing my job is, is, you know, if I lost my job or when I quit, I was like, Oh, that's okay. I'll go find something else. You know, I always had enough self-confidence to figure out, I think growing up in the streets of Chicago, you kind of, you kind of have a tenacity about it. So right. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll put my tools on, I'll figure out a way to go make a buck, you know? And um, I think one of the, one, a, a good leadership example for me that's always stood out for me that shaped, I, I, I believe my perspective is when I was a carpenter in the beginning of being a carpenter, I was on a housing project and I remember having this, uh, this, uh, the, this foreman on our job that was, a real jerk. I mean, he yelled and screamed at people all the time. You know, so I got to see what it was. I got to feel what it was like to work for a guy like that. I mean, I, you know, me and the other guys on our crew, you know, we work our butts off and the guy was always yelling and screaming at us. And then I, I got to see how other people didn't like him and would sabotage the job. You know, they would do little things behind his back to sabotage the jobs. You know, I feel bad for the people who moved into some of those houses because some of the things that guys would do, you know, because of this foreman. Uh, and then we about, I don't know, about six months later, I probably was going to quit if, if I would have had to keep working for this guy. Anyhow, about six months into it though, we got a new foreman on the job and uh, what a difference that makes. This guy was an ex fullback for a football team. You know, he was, uh, you know, uh, it was, so I connected with him well because I was a football player as well, but it wasn't just about that. It was, he had a totally different approach to leadership. He was more of a, you know, motivator, like inspirational guy is he, he'd get in there. He'd throw, he'd throw a stack of two by fours on his shoulder and run right alongside us, you know, and, and he would challenge us. He's like, come on, Nick, you know, I know you could get this wall built in four hours, you know, and, you know, he, so he did these kind of things. And I saw the whole culture and not just our crew, but the crews all around us all shift. And I saw people, you know, actually go above and beyond for him, stay later, work harder. And, and that to me was like a big change. It's like, wow, 
what a great coach. You know, what a great guy this guy was. I, I just saw the performance in my own feeling and then the performance of the team really shift. And that was an inspirational moment for me. The guy's name was Wayne. I'll never, you know, I'll never forget him. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what a great story. And you had to really experience both sides of it in, in order to see that there were different ways of leadership. And how did that then frame uh, your approach to a leader in a very different industry, in the restaurant industry, which is you know, fraught with high turnover. And, and I know you employ lots of young people. Uh, restaurants are hard. You said, you know, the early years was just about survival. So when you had a choice about how you begin, began to lead as you developed that business, how did those experiences influence you? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, good question. You know, when I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, there was an experience I happened that happened. I first opened my restaurant. I was blessed. You know, these, it was big restaurants uh, than I can handle. You know, it was, at that time it was 150 seats. Uh, it was, you know, now it's 9,000 square feet, 350 seats. But at that time it was 150 seats. Uh, uh, about 3,000 square feet. But when I opened the doors, it was packed right off the bat. And here's, I, I, there was a point where I realized I had to, I had to trans, trans, I think transform or transition out of my dad's, what I learned from my dad. Cause my dad was, he, he didn't, I mean, he had a big generous heart. He cared a lot about people. He would, you know, give people do all kinds of great things. But on one side though, he didn't trust people and he always thought they were going to steal and he was always at that mind, you could only have one restaurant. You can only have one thing, you know? You couldn't build more because you can't trust people, and that's how things fall apart. Well, I was thrown in. When I opened my restaurant, you know, the blessing of that restaurant being jam-packed was, you know, helped me actually survive. The downside of that was, holy crap, I learned I couldn't do it all myself, you know? Yeah. And my dad came in, you know, and he would – I remember one time him complaining about the beef not being cut right, you know, and the, you know, Italian beef sandwich in our restaurant was really important. And, um, and I realized that at that moment, I, you know, I actually told my dad, I said, dad, you got to understand, I can't have you coming in here and complaining all the time and telling me all the point out all the things everybody's doing wrong because I can't work more. I'm already working 24 hours a day. I can't do everything myself. So that was a, turning point for me to learn that I had to trust people more. I had to trust them more. And I, and I started to, I started trusting people and I realized if I train people well and I trust them, sure, they're going to make a mistake here and there. But what I was finding was that people actually did care. They did go above and beyond what I expected them to do. And that was a little bit different from what my dad had thought. And that was a transition for me to actually keep building systems around our people. You know, you talk about systems, and, and that's really an interesting concept to me that culture and the way we build our businesses is really a process or a system just like any other system we have in the business. How have you been able to accomplish that uh, in your restaurants? And I think that's got to be related to the training programs that you first developed internally and now you have offered uh, to other businesses and other leaders outside. But how did you, at what point, decide to document or really put that down on paper and make it, you know, for lack of a better word, another recipe for success? Yeah. 
Well, I think it, it, it happened in that first, that first year I was open when I realized I couldn't do it all myself. And one of the things I learned, I think being, you know, 11, 12 years as a carpenter, uh, building houses, one of the things I, I believe really helped me with that is, um, it's, it's an engineering mindset to build a house. You know, you get that engineering mindset, you, you look at plans and you build systems. And I took that mindset to the restaurant. You know, I applied it to my restaurant business because for one, for one thing is I knew I couldn't do everything myself, but the also, also the other thing is I seen a lot of restaurant tours get burned out, you know, not have quality family time. And I didn't want that for myself and my family. I wanted, so I really started to think about, okay, how do I build systems so that people could, so the stuff could be repeatable and scalable and I don't have to be here all the time. You know, so that's where I started that, that in the very beginning, I started that system around, you know, I, I started sharing open books as, you know, as rough as it kind of was. I started sharing our P&Ls and our profit, and I started developing a, a process for people to get their own, you know, the certification program for people to get their own raises based on what they were certified on, not based on coming to me for permission. Um, so I, you know, that started in the very beginning based out of what I thought was uh, really a f- have a good family balanced life for myself and run a restaurant. <laughs> that was before I even thought about having two restaurants. Well, I think you, uh, you obviously have a, a big heart, a lot of compassion, and that came from some, you know, a part of what you learned from your dad. But, but as you know, growing a business requires tough decisions. Can you think of you know, the hardest decision you've ever had to make in the workplace? Hmm. Yeah, those come up often, don't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know, anytime, anytime we have to let someone go, and and that's something that um, again, I think when when we have to part ways with a team member, that that's always hard, especially when they have families. And it was another motivator for me to create systems to set people up for success. I think is that pain that I feel if someone's not fitting in or not working so that I, so that I feel like I've done everything I can to set them up for success. And then if they don't succeed, at least I've done everything I could, you know? And, uh, but I, I honestly, I mean, that's pretty common, you know, <laughs> I would say the, the, the most painful part was when I, you know, that, that time I went through, um, I, in 2011 where I was going to, I, our, our sales had dropped lost you know we're 50 percent sales drop and we're losing cash losing money and um that year in 2011 and i thought i was gonna have to close the doors i, I think that was the most traumatic time because i was i had 200 at that point i had 200 team 200 employees 200 team members and i was gonna have to lock the doors and close up shop on all those people that was that was really really hard um time for me Let's talk a little bit more about that, Nick, because uh, in your business, in the restaurant business, you're definitely subject to what's going on in the economy uh, and how that impacts the business, or it could be other decisions that you've made strategically. But what, what happened around that time, and, and uh, how did you survive that period? Wow. Well, uh, what happened, I think, was uh, a couple of things. One was building the second restaurant 
Uh, um, my second restaurant with a little, I, I would have to say I was a little overconfident for sure. Probably a little bit too full of myself because I had so much success. I didn't really look at my balance sheet and do a good enough job of understanding how much debt I was taking on because I had this mindset that I couldn't fail, you know, a little bit too much full of myself. And so, so that was one part. So I put, so which w- would have been okay. Cause we opened, we opened find and it was actually starting out really well. Those first few years, it really wasn't an issue uh, in 2005, 2006 and the beginning of 2007, at least. And, and to the point I was opening a third restaurant and that's where things started to go south is opening that third restaurant, leveraging an, another $300,000 line of credit. And then that deal in the third restaurant falling apart, then the economy crashed, right? Then we saw the recession hit, you know, in 2008, 2009, in our restaurants were struggling. We were getting by. Uh, then, then, um, the last thing that kind of really made that perfect storm worse was, uh, they were going to build that, that super Walmart across the street from our Elgin restaurant, which, which would be good eventually. But in the, the construction process, they tore up the whole, the whole intersection in front of us, the roads. They expanded those roads from two lanes to six lanes. They took the driveway in front of our restaurant that went, moved it down the street, 800 feet into a subdivision. So all of that chaos created, uh, you know, a huge, drop in sales when we were already, you know, all of our cash reserves were already depleted down to zero and our debt was really high. So that, that was a confluence of a whole bunch of mistakes <laughs> all, all at once. Yeah. Well, so how'd you get out of no, it? Uh, well, that was, yeah, that was a big lesson for me. It was, uh, you know, I had, I had that choice of, uh, locking the doors, uh, and claim a bankruptcy, which was advice from, you know, a lot of financial professionals. <laughs> Lock the doors, don't tell anybody, claim bankruptcy, uh, which I sat with and um, which probably on a personal level would have been easier perhaps, you know, to just walk away. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't do that to the 200 people that I had working with us. And I, I brought the problem to the team and ask them how we should handle it. And, uh, I was very open. Um, they, you know, our purpose and our values are very much a part of our company at that point. And, uh, we all agreed to use our values and to be open, honest, and communicate with everybody. And so I wrote a letter to our team and to our, uh, to our guests that we're going to be closing our doors in four weeks. And perhaps people were going to quit. Perhaps people were going to hate us. Um, but at least we had four weeks before we ran out of cash, before we clocked our doors and, um, people had an opportunity at least to go find other jobs and to go do what they needed to do before we close our doors. Um, and the crazy thing is, uh, in that four week time, instead of, you know, the door, you know, instead of people quitting and, uh, all the, all the negative was supposed to happen, all the opposite of that happened and people came out and, unbelievably our sales increased 110% and all this crazy stuff happened. It was unbelievable how the community came in and saved us and the team saved us. Um, so that was a huge lesson for me. What was the biggest lesson you learned in all of that? Uh, as you look back, I, you know, really, um, 
the power of a, of clear purpose in an organization and uh, clear values, and not just not just having them, but living really important living them. You know, living them. Op- the open books process. That, I mean, that you're familiar with as well. The fiscal huddles, all those things. You know, is I I thought during that time I was beat myself up. I thought maybe maybe I should sell steak. Maybe I should sell spaghetti. You know, I, I suck. I put, I invested too much money in training. When, when the community came down and saved us, I was like, holy crap. It's actually, um, we're not doing even more. Live our purpose and live our values. And, you know, being, that, being transparent and, and involving the team is, is really the key. It's the secret to, to success, I think, in business. So, yeah, it really that is. That was my lesson. It's uh, now you told me earlier that you're you're moving forward with that third restaurant. So, uh, are you you got any butterflies in your stomach about that? I sure do. Holy cow, I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been much I've been much more diligent about our financials, and you know, and and the and you're right. The, the thing is with the restaurant business, it's you know, it's still scary because there's a lot of external, you know things that could happen in the community that um that could turn things around so uh, it's not as it's not as big as big of a risk this time for sure it's a much smaller risk you know we're our finances are in better shape you know there's you know obviously i'm doing a, a whole lot of things differently and i still have butterflies <laughs> yeah that'll, well, that's a good thing um you know it's amazing to here that uh, while there are a lot of financial issues or economic issues that can impact the business, ultimately what uh, saved you at that point was really uh, the people side and transparency and, and opening yourself up, being vulnerable to not only to your employees, but to the community and everybody rallied and probably gave you a lot of yeah. confidence that uh, if, uh, if and when that happened again through things that are out of your control, that if you, stay focused on the purpose side of it and those values that everything will be okay. Uh, now you have a lot of young people that work in, um, in the restaurant. And like you said, people that may be unconscious leaders on their own. Uh, but let's say somebody is really starting out their career uh, in the restaurant and they might move on to some other company or some other leadership position. And they say, you know, Nick, I want to be like you someday. Uh, what kind of advice would you offer them? Mm. Well, yeah, uh, part of being like me is to not be like someone else. <laughs> so I would, uh, that was where, that's where I would start is, you know, for sure. Um, uh, well, I think part of that is helping them understand their own talents and their, you know, their, you know, the ways that, uh, and that's, that's a, that's a great part about leadership is it's everybody's got their own style and their own way. Um, so, so that's where I would start is really, helping, you know, giving someone the tools to un- understand their own, you know, their themselves better, their own, their strengths, their talents, and also understand our, what I would call shadow side, like the, the, our own uh, things that sometimes could, that we need to understand about ourselves to be able to look in the mirror and, and uh, be real about uh the things that we're not good at. And then, and then once understanding ourselves like that, I, I believe that helps us understand others and seeking to 
you know, as we make leadership choices, is is to really be you know, uh, aware of how of putting ourselves in other people's shoes and what it's like for them, even when we whether it's an easy good choice and we're doing things positive or it's not, you know, and it's the difficult change, you know, it's it's really an understanding of what's the impact on other people's lives. You know, when I think about your business uh, from the moment you open the restaurant, uh, it's got to be pretty crazy uh, all day till you close and everybody's busy just doing their work. Um, when, when do you find time to teach these lessons to the employees in the business? How do you carve, out, how, carve that out and make it a priority? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't see... I, I don't know, Paul, I think a lot of us are like this. I think when 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 we we're doing work that just feels like a part of our life, I, you know, it just feels like who we are. It is my purpose. Um, it's all one thing. So carving out time for stuff is you know, for leading and coaching and mentoring our team is is just you know, just what what I do all day long, you know. So and I, you know, I, because I, again, I, I think I, I care when I'm working in the restaurants and I'm side by side on the pizza line making pizzas. I'm asking, you know, I'm asking the kid next to me, you know, how's, how's school going? What, you know, whether in high school and college, um, you know, what's going on for them? What sports are they? I think that's, that's part of it. And then the other part is creating, you know, supporting the, the our managers and team members to create systems so that there's more trainers and there's just this coaching mentality that is ongoing you know constant feedback what we call coaching in the moment stuff that goes on all the time and it's just um that's just part of it so i, I don't know that i i don't know if i'm answering that question very well but <laughs> it's it's just always ongoing. It's just who I am. Exactly. It, that's what it is. It's who you are and it's what you do. And it comes across in, in even just daily conversations. Um, well, Nick, I want to just uh, ask a couple real quick questions of you. On, and this is kind of that association game. So just tell me maybe the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, name a famous leader you look up to. Famous leader I look up to, other than you, Paul. Let's see, there would probably be uh, that, would, that wouldn't well, be famous. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. There's, um, you know, I, I I read up and follow things that I don't know Warren Buffett does. I like uh, Simon Sinek talks about leadership a lot, so I, I like what he talks about, and um, not that he's. I don't know how big his company is, but there's, uh, who else? Um, yeah, damn it. I just was thinking of that too. Uh, boy, there's, uh, Howard Schultz, you know, has got a great perspective, I think on how he leads his company and shares. So that's probably the other person that I admire a lot. Yeah. That's a great, the Starbucks story is a great one. Um, You've written a great book, um, A Slice of the Pie, which I uh, highly suggest listeners uh, get a copy of. But name a, a great book that you read that uh, influenced your leadership style. Hmm. Boy, uh, there's so many of them. Uh, I would have to say, I, I would say resident leadership 
had a real positive influence on me uh, that was, yeah, um, Annie, Annie Boyd, Chris, I think, and I forget the, all the authors. Uh, that's that's a leadership book I, I refer back to a few times and, and share with my leaders in my company because uh, I, I think there's a, there's a blend of, you know, being strategic as leaders that we need to have, but there's also, I put a lot of value on emotional intelligence and, and that book is a good blend of both. Uh, the other one is managing the unexpected because again, it's about HRO companies and that urgency around leadership as well. So those are really two books for me. Yeah. Those are a couple good ones. All right. Think back. What's your favorite all time movie? Uh, I'm not much of a movie watcher. Um, let's see, my my favorite all time. I like The Matrix. Oh, because there's messages within that movie. If you understand, it's it's also uh, the the writers of that movie actually did a lot of research around Sanskrit and yoga principles and all that stuff. So there's a there's a lot of messages in that movie about life and leadership so that's why i like movies like that oh, i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that one all right so now you're on you're stranded on an island you get to bring one thing with you what would it be hmm. i'm guessing i should bring a knife <laughs> <laughs> i guess that would be it yeah that's uh, good that's to, su- to survive yeah that's right all right and lastly what's something about you that people don't know or most people uh something hmm uh i would say that um currently making time to learn uh Salsa dancing. What kind of dancing? Probably nobody salsa? knows that. Sal- salsa, yeah. Oh. Just started doing that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> if I see you at the next Small Giants Community Summit, we may be calling you up on stage to um, to teach a session <laughs> for us, but that's great. Um, well, uh, Nick, you're, you're obviously a lifelong learner from the time that uh, – you had experiences in your own family with your dad and your and uh, uh, your brothers, and, and uh, we're so honored that you've been able to share what you've learned and continue to learn with not only the people in your own business with Nick's Pizza, but with Nick's University, with many business leaders across the country who can come and, and take the classes and visit you or read your book. So uh, thank you so much for your contributions and for uh, spending time with us today. Oh, thank you very much. It's an uh, honor to do this, Paul. Thank, uh, I'm grateful that you actually thought of me for this podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Nick. And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.